Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. Marshall, how are you doing on this beautiful springish day? I'm doing great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's officially calendar spring, but... It is. And the weather's spring. It actually feels like spring, which is uncommon for this part of the world, so... Right. I am, uh, yeah, grateful for that. Uh, yeah, it's been a good day. Been able to get a lot done this morning, have some really meaningful and encouraging conversations with some people. Uh... Yeah, it is a it is a good day, brother. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Some pastor leadership training. Nice. And now some podcasting. Yeah. Which do you prefer? I love the podcast. <laughs> this is just fun. I love it too. I do. Yeah. I really do. So our question this week. Mm-hmm. Last week we talked about whether or not anyone can keep the law perfectly. We answered no. Today's question asks, is that because God created us unable to keep his law? Mm. That's a good question. So I'm going to go get a coffee, and I'm just going to leave it to you. <laughs> the recorder's going. Teach the folks. Well, so here's the thing. So so here, this is a question which is pretty, I mean, there are two answers to this question. It's either yes or no. P- two potential answers, right? Did God create us unable to keep his law? Did he or didn't he? Right. I, that, that's kind of what I see. And, and some people, it might be tempted to to say yes. Mm-hmm. They might be they might be tempted to say, well, it seems that way. But there's some things I think that we have to consider if 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 we're going to say that that God perhaps did create us unable to keep his law, because when God created this world and, and specifically when he created humanity, he said it was very good. Mm hmm. And I would think that an inability to follow God's law is not a very good thing. Okay. Okay. So just follow me here. So if we're unable to keep God's law. Hold hold on before we get into it. Okay. Whoa. Are there other ways people have answered this question? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Other things that. Other than than yes or other than. Well, before we answer the question with what we think and what the catechism says. Yeah. Ways that, ways that this question has been answered before. Um, and, and so sure. the way I want to go about it, because this is this is not mm. something that sort of humanity, by and large, has done, uh, unless that's to say, there are there is the discussion of is man essentially good okay. or bad, right? Right. That's a humanity at large kind of discussion, mm-hmm. um, and so that might play into this to a degree. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. By and large, it is still very deistic. And Christian in its in the assumption of the question. Mm-hmm. So the question that I would put forward to you before we get too deep into answering it. Okay. Is this question a test of orthodoxy? Can a person can a person is there is there space to disagree on that binary yes or no? If a person says, Yeah, I, I think that God created us in such a way so that we would fall and he could reveal his plan of glory, or no, God did not create us with the intention of falling, but man's heart chose and fell. Is this a test of orthodoxy? So, oh, that's a good question. Thanks, thanks for that, Tim. Um, <laughs> and a I, test of orthodoxy, just to explain, yeah, test, means if a, if you don't agree, you're not a Christian. Yeah, I, I you're don't believing something outside of the realm of Christian thought. I think we live sometimes 
in a, in a world where we create unnecessary tests of orthodoxy. So the, I would be uh, cautious to add one more here. Um, I wouldn't call it a test of orthodoxy. I wouldn't necessarily overtly call this heresy if someone said, no, God created us. I, but here's the, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't make a test of orthodoxy, but it's a serious, it's still a serious, it's, it's a theological error and it's a serious one. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, I think waffling on it is, is a healthy thing. Mm. Um, because I think there are going to be some things that we presume because of the evidence of scripture, mm-hmm. but we have to acknowledge we're presuming. I, I think this is going to give a lot into the lapsarian arguments. Right. Of the Senate of Dort. Oh, boy. Where it was overreacted. Yes. Right? It's one thing to say, I disagree. It's another thing to say that is against orthodoxy and heretical. It's another thing to kill a person because of their <laughs> opinion. Um, so I, I just wanted to get that out there, right? There's, sure. there's, there's space inside of this for the asking of some questions mm-hmm. and continuing to process through it, mm-hmm. right? Um. So yeah, yeah, as you were saying, yeah. So so as I was saying, yeah. If 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 we say that God did create us unable to keep His law, that doesn't seem consistent with His words when He created man and saying that they were very good. It mm-hmm. just doesn't to me. That just seems like that seems like a a disconnect there. Sure, right? An inability to carry out the design for which you were made, right? An inherent inability. Um, that seems to be, yeah, problematic. Um, so if we're unable to keep God's law and we, we've kind of established that last week, it must not be caused by something that God did directly or uh, some kind of design flaw in us. So that's what, that's, that's, that's my, yeah. So you're saying, no, it would be overly fatalistic yeah. to say God designed things to fail. Yeah, I think in his divine knowledge, he 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 knew what was going to happen for sure. Right. But uh, but certainly he and is not he is not responsible for Adam's fall. Right. So the opportunity was left, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that things were placed intentionally for fall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I can agree with that. Although I I know Orthodox Reform pastors that would say. Mm-hmm. No, every, not a molecule in a mountain of this earth vibrates out of the foreordination and the plan of God. And they would say, I've heard them say, mm-hmm. God planned for Adam and Eve to fall for his glory's sake. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and, and that's, that's why at the very beginning I wanted to start this off. I say, this is going to get weedy. Yeah, sure. And there is going to be a point where someone can look at what you said and say, but if God foreknew mm-hmm. that they would fall and designed them in such a way that that would be the option that would inevitably prove to be true, mm-hmm. did, is he then in some way culpable right. for the fall? And are we then created unable to keep his law. I would just be curious to know for those those individuals that you mentioned who who would take that angle. I would like to hear their thoughts on the discussion about God and temptation um, that we find in James and how they would how they would 
hold to that or how they would understand that in the context of the view that they're holding. So I think, yeah, it's tricky. And I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm trying not to use names. Yeah, it's okay. Don't you don't have to use names. But I, I thought the line that I dropped was almost as good as using a name because <laughs> that's pretty much a coin phrase. Uh, I, I would say that their concept of temptation, they would say, um, God determines it to be so, but man is still responsible for the fact that it happened. Mm-hmm. It was ordained by God to come to pass, mm-hmm. but man still has to pay the price because of his rebellion and disobedience. I have a problem with that in that I would say if God ordains something to happen and it does happen, it cannot be counted as rebellion or disobedience Mm. because you're doing what was ordained, Mm. right? There's no way around that. I I think you would have to do the opposite of the will of God Mm -hmm. in order to be rebelling. Yeah. Um, so that's where I would agree with what you're saying. Yeah. The relationship um, between like the human will and the will of God is the type of thing people have been fighting over forever and will continue to fight over. Mm-hmm. I Here's my take. Here's my hot take, Tim. Maybe it's not that much of a hot take, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that Adam and Eve had a free will beyond what we experience now in a post-fall world. They truly had a free will. Mm-hmm. God created them. He had a perfect relationship with them, and they existed in a perfect place. And there was a rule that they were to follow, but they had a perfect free will. Our will is actually, in our sinful state, is, is actually in bondage. Our, our, our free will is restricted, and we are unable to do certain things because of what has happened. But maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, so maybe I should that, just no, stop. I, for what it's worth, I agree. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I love it when we agree. I'm not going to correct you. Gives me a little bit of confidence that I'm not, you know, a heretic. Okay, so uh, what does the catechism have to say about this, Tim? The catechism says no. Nice. It agrees with us. I'm one for one. But because of the disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, all of creation is fallen. We are born in sin and guilt, corrupt in our nature, and unable to keep God's law and the scripture passage they would use to reference this is romans five twelve. therefore just as sin comes into the world through one man and death through sin so death spread to all men because all sinned mm. mm-hmm. i would really like to dive into a little bit more of that passage in a, in a moment because i think there's some really cool things we what can talk the about. doctrine of original sin <laughs> Oh, maybe even some some other concepts like like federal headship, um, <laughs> or Christ being the second Adam. I think would be some kind of fun things. To, this to this talk is about. this is becoming a very deep podcast. It is this one. Yeah, this one is. Yeah, this one is going to get a little bit deeper than some of them do. That's okay. That's all right. We're going to bring everybody along. It's going to be a fun ride. Not that not that I'm not that I'm kind of a world class theologian or anything. Um, but I hey, but I am graduating with my undergrad <laughs> next month, so you know that's got to count for something. Um, one of the one of the verses, one of the scripture passages that stood out to me, kind of also in support of the catechism's answer, is what David has to say in Psalm fifty-one, where he says, "Behold, I was brought forth in sin, and in sin did my mother conceive me." Mm-hmm. Now he doesn't mean that the fact that his mother gave birth to him was a sinful event. Right. right. He's saying that he was born into that sinful condition. Right. Right. Yep. Because the fall has, in fact, corrupted everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the root of our our sin 
is, you know, as we've mentioned before, it's not these surface level things. It's not just simply what we say and what we do. Like those are symptoms of a deeper root, a sinful nature, a condition in which we all share. Um, and, you know, some people, I mean, like, like, you know, Mr. Pel- Can I call him Mr. Pelagius? <laughs> like Mr. Pelagius that we discussed last week. I mean, he had a bit of a beef with this idea, right? Um, right. Why should the sin of our first parents affect us? That doesn't sound fair. No. So the I, so his idea is in order to be sinning, you have to, in order to be sinful, you have to be the one sinning. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, to stand in front of God, condemned, you would have to say, woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Mm. And leave it at that. Mm. Right? I have actively sinned against God. Therefore, I am less than righteous. I am a corruption to a righteous environment of the presence of God. I will be destroyed by his righteousness. I'm deserving to be cast out. Mm -hmm. But if I don't participate, then I'm good. Right. I, that's not what David's saying, though. David is that's saying, not what David's, David's saying. saying, like, from when I was born. Right. Right? Or in sin, my mother conceived me. Conception. conception right? right? Like, we're talking we're talking the beginning of the beginning, right? He's not exercising his will to violate God's law at this point. So there seems to be, yeah. Yeah, so imagine imagine a food fight in the cafeteria Ooh, nice. in school. I love analogies. It never actually happens. Oh, but, we all, but we all know, we're all so familiar with the scenario, yeah. although no one has ever participated in this scenario. Mm. If you've actually participated in a food fight in school, Email us. I'd like to hear about it. But anyway, you don't have to be the one throwing food to be the one that got dirty. True. Sometimes everyone around you throwing the food is going to get you dirty. And sin is the same way. We are not only those with unclean lips, but we live amongst a people of unclean lips, which Mm -hmm. is why Isaiah registered himself to be less than righteous. Mm -hmm. The number of laws that had to do with just being in the presence of sin or death that made the person unfit for worship because they were then ceremonially unclean is pretty solid. There's Mm -hmm. quite a few of those things. Just the participation is not enough to make us unrighteous. There's also just the environment that we're in that makes us dirty and less than righteous. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that original sin begins with the first parents, Adam and Eve. And it is because of their sin that we are unclean. We also participate. Yeah. But our first participations are not what begin our uncleanness. Yeah. Yeah. I I taught this in a soteriology class one time in Ukraine. These young 20-somethings had a real problem with this because they were saying, um, one of you raised their hand, they're saying, are you telling me that a two-year-old could sin? At the time, I had a two-year-old. So like, you're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they were appalled. They were appalled at the idea that a one, two-year-old could sin. Uh, so let me ask you, father of a one-year-old, 18-month-old. Uh, more. She's, she'll be two in July. Yeah. Wow. She's getting there. I know. It's crazy. All right. Can a 20-month-old sin? 100%. 100%. Yeah, of course. They they can participate in it. Sure. And not only can they participate in it, they can be corrupted by it even Sh- at conception. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean this is something that we've we in, we inherit. Right. Right? This is an inherited trait 
unfortunately, right? There are things that we inherit uh, from our parents sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Like I got my brown eyes from my mom. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's something I inherited from her, right? Um, and unfortunately, we've inherited this in nature from our first parents. Yeah, and so to bring that back to the question is to say God's design is that we would be the image bearers of God mm -hmm. in creation. Mm -hmm. Be the firstborn of creation and hold dominion over it. But sin introduced into the world by man has corrupted creation. And for that, all of creation is corrupted to some degree, including us. Yeah. And so we weren't created unable to keep the law. Mm -hmm. That's a result of sin. Yeah. And some people might be thinking to themselves, well, I mean, that's just, that's just not fair. Like, that doesn't seem fair. Like, why, why would it, why would it work that way? And, and, and here's the thing. And I, I believe this actually came out in a conversation that I had at a Bible study. Uh, actually, no, we were doing a study of R.C. Sproul's Everyone's a Theologian. And Eric, uh, who's one of the elders here, uh, made a comment where he, he, he essentially said, because we were talking about this subject, and he said, honestly, man, he's like, if it were me in the garden instead of Adam, I probably wouldn't even need the snake to, like, tell me a lie. I probably would have just went up there and ate that fruit. Right. Mm -hmm. Just kind of understanding that, like, if we were in that situation, do we do we honestly think that we would have done better? Right. Right. I think I think if we have if we have a problem with with the way that this is this is ordered, then we, we must assume that, you know, had I been in that situation, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have messed up. I wouldn't have violated God's law. And honestly, like, I don't know, I, I, I certainly couldn't look myself in the mirror and think that I, w I would have been able to resist that temptation. And I would say. If a person wanted to hold to it that it was still unfair, they would just say, well, that you say that is theoretically theoretical. Maybe I wouldn't have. <laughs> I would say what is even more sin, what is even more unfair than that is that the one who knew no sin would become sin on my behalf. Amen. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? Because just as in, I mean, just as all of humanity fell through the unrighteousness of one man. Right. Through the righteousness of Christ. Now we have we have this this whole new life. We have salvation offered to us. We we had to we are we receive His righteousness, right? So so yeah. So you might argue, you might want to argue that oh, it seems unfair that you know, Adam's fall would cause all these people uh, to sin. That there would be this inherited um, sin nature, or whatever. But I mean, you're right. It it's it's supremely unfair that that Christ had to endure what He did. Uh, but we are grateful because it was unfair in our favor, mm -hmm. right? And we're grateful for it, right? Right. And that's just the nature and the effect of the fall, right? Mm -hmm. And we see that played out not only in the doctrine of original sin, we, we see it played out in even things like natural disaster. Sure. Right? Sure. There is nothing more disgusting to me than when Christians try to rationalize where a disaster took place based on that place being more sinful than another place. Yeah. Right? Like when Katrina hit New Orleans, yes. they're like, oh, it's because of the Mardi Gras festival. That's why they're so... Right, right. right. That's a sinful people and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or, Ugh, it's just oh, the worst. That is, that is not the case. That yeah. is just the nature of the fall, mm -hmm. right? But grace has been offered to us in Jesus Christ. And so rather than sitting around and fighting over whether or not that's fair, the other option is to say, well, why don't we all participate in the cure? Mm -hmm. The gospel. Yeah. Yeah. 
That is the answer. That is what is going to, I mean, if, if uh, you know, if Adam's sin turned this world upside down, it's through Christ's righteousness, it's through the gospel message of, of the person, the work of Jesus Christ, it's going to turn it right side up. Right. And that's a it's a it's a responsibility and a privilege to be a part of that, I think. Right. The fact that he would use us broken people in 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 doing that in bringing that message is, is fantastic. But yeah. And I mean, if people are still so here's the thing, if people if people are wrestling with, with this, I mean, we've already read the 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 kind of proof first, for lack of a better term, the scriptural support for this answer. But if you continue reading in Romans five, it really unpacks this. Um so, I mean, we get it was Romans 5, 12, but uh, so therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin not counted where there is no law yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning uh, was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Um, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For mm-hmm. if because one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So, I mean, it's <laughs> it's some it's some heavy stuff, but I mean, this is this is the way that God has has ordained for this to work out. Right? Yeah, I mean, and, and I would say to grab another analogy. Sure, I'm a simple-minded person, and so if I don't have word pictures, mm. I get lost. Mm. Let's say you're on a boat, early 20th century, 19th century. I don't remember exactly when. You're sailing along, and it hits an iceberg. Okay. (laughs) Early 20th century. Early 20th century. And that boat's going down. Mm. You didn't drive that thing into the iceberg. Mm. Somebody else did. You could float in the water while people are throwing life preservers to you and trying to get you into the rescue boats mm. and say, this isn't fair. I did nothing to put myself in this situation. Mm. That might be true. Mm. In this case, according to the doctrine of original sin, it's not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but even if it were, yeah. it's inconsequential. Yeah. What you need to do is to quit complaining about what's fair and not fair and just take the offering of sort of salvation that's available to you, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I think that is not to say that, that the discussion is not profitable, sure. that it doesn't teach us something about the nature of God, the relationship with man, and our need for that salvation, and all of those kinds of things. This is not a dismissal of the conversation. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the conversation is valuable for all of those reasons. What I'm saying is that it doesn't need to become a hang-up. This can't be a point on where someone says, I, I refuse to give myself to Christ or to believe because I'm hung up on whether or not this, fair, this is fair. I would say it is inconsequential. We are where we are. Mm-hmm. And what you need to do is take salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. No, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, yeah, if, I mean, if we've been corrupted by the actions of our first parents, I mean, we are be able to be saved through the merits of someone else. And so right. that is a beautiful, 
beautiful thing, right? And so um, take take that. I mean, so next week, mm-hmm. since no one can keep the law, what is its purpose? Mm. And so this will be this will be important to us. R- so far, what we've talked about is can we keep it? Is it God's fault that we can't keep it? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, what's the point of it all? Right. Right. If if it can't be kept, if we are bound to it from birth, then what is th- what is the reason for all of this madness? Mm. Tune in next week, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll let you know. <laughs> it was weedy, but it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, sometimes you got to do that. Yeah, if you have questions, just you were the e- theological e- weed whacker, cleaning it out there. Boom. Good job, Marshall. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. is produced by Alex Walker. Next time, see you later. <laughs>